www.ordinaryfriend.org. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, for those of you not familiar, the uh, 12 to 1 hour on PKN is dedicated to community radio with Band Central Radio program appearing the fourth Monday of every month to showcase causes, nonprofits, and musicians that help make Connecticut a diverse and rich place to live. One of the reasons we need to toot the horn of nonprofits is that unlike corporations who can raise money by issuing debt or equity, nonprofits need to write grants and ask for donations every year to stay alive. It's a harrowing aspect of running a not-for-profit business. So what we aim to do in our midday hour with you is entertain and educate you about causes, music, and music for causes that enrich your life and make you happy and proud to be a Connecticut resident. Today, you will meet two great gentlemen and ambassadors of Connecticut who care a lot about helping others. Jim Naughton is a well-known actor, close friend to the late Paul Newman, who holds several causes near to his heart. Hey, Jim. Hi, hi, Rob. Nice to be with you. Thank you. And Mark Argosh leads the Governor's Workforce Council and has a bird's eye perspective on what the state of well-being of Connecticut is. We'll ask Mark what his state of the state would be, but more on them later. I'm Rob Freed, and welcome to Band Central Radio, where we broadcast the fourth Monday of every month on WPKN and on your audio device of choice anytime you want to listen via WPKN podcasts on the podcast app. This is a show where we reach into the nonprofit community. We get executive directors to come on, talk about their mission. Local musicians come on, talk about their music and the local scene. We call it Funlanthropy, where philanthropy meets fun and music. What could be better than that? Well, you know, why we're mostly going to talk about the local scene, our hearts in a broader sense are, are with all of those suffering from the impacts of the war in Ukraine. I personally hope and believe that goodness will prevail. And this is a time where we can all aspire to be as good, kind, and as righteous as we can be so that peace and love and goodness will prevail. As mentioned, we got a great show over the next hour introducing you to Jim and Mark. And we also have Steve DeCasanza, general manager of PKN in the studio. Hey, Steve. Rob, good to be with you again. Thank you. And Paula Murphy, Band Central's director of operations. Hey, P. Hello there and happy Monday. Thank you. Hey, well, we, you know, we've passed the equinox and the time of spring and the color green is here. And it brings to mind a saying that my first sales manager told me back when I was selling Bibles door to door. He said, when you're green, you're growing. And when you're ripe, you're rot. Are we ready to keep growing? If we don't challenge ourselves with puzzles and paradoxes and stretches and in turn solve these problems, 
then inertia and habits will compel us toward the familiar, even when it's unhealthy for us. This principle of personal growth is why the band's central logo shows a triangle with a light at the top. The triangle refers to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, where we keep learning to take care of our basic needs so that we can then achieve self-esteem and then self-actualization. The question is, can we evolve each of us, our consciousness, and ascend up the triangle toward the light? Now, there's an attitude of willingness that is so essential to doing that. And for me, this includes a willingness to roll with the punches and, and experience and be willing to experience the sudden changes that, that happen. Steve, I ask you. How are you trying to evolve? Here here we go. (laughs) You know, how are you trying to evolve personally and as a radio station? Mm. Well, um, a a lot of my focus has to be on the radio station because uh, let's start with that. Uh, We I spent a lot of time here because I'm really one of the very few paid employees as a general manager. And we just moved, of course, and we have a, a lot of things still that we're working on. We're working on uh, podcasting, better podcasting. We're working on uh, live streaming, video installations, uh, video archiving, lots of lots of important things here. So um, that's kind of my my look at it is is. Uh, professionally, uh, you know, we've moved downtown and it's been a real game changer for us. We had that incredible article written about us in the New Yorker that said we're the uh, greatest radio station in the world. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and in fact, we have a documentary film that is coming out uh, under the same title, as you can imagine. Yes. Uh, and so that's something we're excited well, about. Well, it comes yeah. through in your voice, a, a real sense of purpose. And so you're even answering the question on a personal basis, what, what, what you're really anchoring to is this feeling of purpose. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is kind of my, my end, end career, you know, end, end job, so to speak. And so I, I, I guess my kind of personal evolution is tied pretty closely to the, the few years I have remaining professionally to, to try to really make an impact with a, with a, a community radio station that I really believe in. And it's uh, it's been an exciting journey for 15 years, and I'm looking forward to the next few years uh, to make some you know substantive changes here. Yeah, yeah, and we are certainly excited for the let's call it the evolution of WPKN. Absolutely, you can into, hear it in your uh, voice. You can hear it in your voice and your excitement, and that whole idea of purpose is something I think I can res- resonate with. How about you, P? Well, for me, it's more of a personal thing. I find that. I am evolving through really embracing a belief that this life is a gift. It's truly a gift. Now, it's not always easy. We all have our challenges. But when I focus on that and I focus on gratitude and the many blessings I have and focusing on my life with a positive attitude, it gives me this kind of energy, this excitement, this purpose that you were talking about, Steve. And um, when I can do that, it allows me to do good. Mm -hmm. And when I do good... That gives me peace. So for me, that's kind of my my evolution, my purpose, my peace. Oh, that's beautiful. Nice. Yeah, that Thank you. Nice. Hey, let's take a short break and listen to the premiere of one of my new tracks called Beautiful. 
inspired by my wonderful and beautiful wife, Monroe Freed. We'll be right back. Beautiful about this track. You know, true beauty resides, exudes from within. And my, my, my wife, Monroe, is the inspiration for that song. It's, you know, laced with some reggae and ska rhythms. And the verses compare the beauty that I see in her to that which I observe in nature and some of our favorite places like New Orleans. The chorus, in addition to being a declaration of love, mentions living life like art which refers to our shared value of expressing creativity and continually seeking to improve our skills and abilities. The song treats beautiful as a verb, a mode of being. And I want to thank Greg Giorgio for the engineering and Scott Packham for the keyboards on this track. I sing all the vocals, guitar, bass, and do the drum and percussion programming. I hope you enjoyed it. Beautiful. Loved it. Loved thank it. Rob, you. you've been putting out some good music, but this one I think is my favorite. Oh, I cool. love it. I love it. And I love the fact that you're honoring Monroe. So uh, husbands out there, Mike, mine included, you want to write some songs? <laughs> We're right. all ready to hear them. 
All right. Hey, let me give you a little minute on Band Central. Band Central has an exciting 2020 tour tour uh, of themed concerts to help local nonprofits. And what these events do is they empower the nonprofits, donors, musicians, and audiences to give generously through live music while having fun. Our 2022 features some amazing musicians, Gabrielle Lakshmi, Aubrey Martels, Joe Gray, John Torres, Crispin Seo, Bill Carbone, Jean Marie Rivera, Scott Packham, Cyrus Madden, Tommy Weeks, Anthony David, Eric Kalb, Pat Marafioti, Scott White, Barry Blumenfield, and we're performing some amazing shows. We're doing a disco and dance show. We're doing songs of the 1960s, rhythm and blues, cruise to paradise, beach party, and radio hits of the past, present, and future. And it's for some amazing nonprofits, some of which you're probably familiar with. Operation Hope, New Canaan Mounted Troop, Wolfgang and Company, Connecticut Institute for Refugees and Immigrants, Sterling House, Cardinal Sheehan Center, Mission, Self, CLASP, the Children's Learning Center, Center for Family Justice, the Maritime Aquarium of Norwalk, Common Ground, and WPKN. And we stand ready to help these local nonprofits and musicians thrive. So as far as upcoming dates... You can check all this out on experiencebandcentral.com. May 19th at the Longshore Inn, Disco for Operation Hope. May 20th at the Weeburn Beach Club, Disco for New Canaan Mounted Troop. June 2nd at the Park City Music Hall, the 60s show for Wolfgang. June 3rd at the Knowlton, the 60s show for the Connecticut Institute for Refugees and Immigrants. June 10th, radio hits of the past, present, and future at the Cardinal Sheehan Center for the Cardinal Sheehan Center. And June 11th at the Shakespeare Park in Stratford, um, the 60s show for the Sterling House. So, again, you can check all that out on experiencebandcentral.com or robfreedmusic.com. And don't just, ex- don't just check it out on, on the website. Please come and join us and do some good. Oh, definitely. definitely. What a great lineup. Congratulations. That's really remarkable. Your, your support of these nonprofits. Here it's we are just, in March, and we've got yeah, a nice lineup. Fantastic. And, uh, I like the sound of the beach party. Yeah, I think we're already. I think we're already for that right now, right? Aren't we ready for that? Beach party. We got two versions. We got two versions of that. Hey, and now it's with great pleasure that I reintroduce uh, Jim Naughton. Jim is an actor and a director from Middletown, Connecticut, our very own Connecticut. He graduated from Brown University in the Yale School of Drama and began his career appearing in Broadway dramas and musicals. Later, becoming an accomplished actor in film and television roles. You might know him from receiving his first Tony Award for Best Actor in a Musical in 1990's City of Angels, and his second Tony in 1997 as lawyer Billy Flynn in the musical Chicago. His films include The Paper Chase and The Devil Wears Prada, among others. So the guy has acting chops. Though today... We were going to talk about Jim as a philanthropist uh, here in Connecticut. He was close friends with the late Paul Newman, with whom he worked closely in the Hole in the Wall gang. 
And, you know, a couple of causes close to Jim's heart are pancreatic cancer research. And his wife, Pam, died from pancreatic cancer in 2013 and medical aid in dying. Jim, welcome. Hi, Rob. Thank you. Nice to be here. Thank you. So let's start off. Why did you choose acting? Well, it was the only thing that was left, really, for me, um, having um, basically flunked out of everything else up to that point. No, that's not true. Uh, I didn't. I, I really didn't know where I belonged while I was in college. I used to envy the, the engineers because they had a program and they had to just follow what was on the paper, and they'd graduate as, and have a career. Um, I uh, I started out as a history major. I was a political science major. I was a uh, I couldn't stay awake in economics classes, and so that left out uh, international relations. And I wandered into the theater in November of my junior year for the first time because a girl that I knew uh, said, hey, you should stop by the theater tonight. We've got something going Steve, on. Steve, you hear that? Because a girl. That's right, because a girl. About, it's always about the girl. <laughs> yes, yes, it was. And I, I found her there. Mm-hmm. They were auditioning for a show, and so... Uh, the director said, okay, who's next? And she literally did one of these, and she pointed next to her to me. And he said, okay, come on, get up here. And I said, no, no, I'm not here to audition. He said, don't be shy. Get up here and um, you know, sing us a song. And uh, so I got up and sang a song. And then he said, oh, okay, you know, here, take a look at this scene. Go on out there and look at it for 10 minutes, then come back in here and read it. So I did. And he said, okay. He said, take five, everybody. He said, come over here. He said, you've obviously been on the stage before. I'd done high school shows, you know, mm-hmm. musicals and things. He said, uh, what are you, a freshman? I said, no, I'm, I'm a junior. He says, well, where the hell have you been? And I said, I've been playing be- soccer and baseball. Um, I had been recruited for that. He said, and he literally said, ah, one of those. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he said, um, a little while later, a couple, he said, I'd like you to, to be in the show. I said, well, we're in the NCAA tournament. It was November. And I said, and we play soccer until we lose. So I couldn't possibly do both of these things at the same time. He said, no, you couldn't. When soccer's over, will you come see me? So I went to see him in January. And he sat me down and he just said to me, Jim, I think if you wanted to do this, you could. And I said, you mean for real? And he yeah. said, yes. And I said, but I just sang you one song and read a two-page scene. How can he said, because I've been doing this for a long time. And I'm telling you, if you wanted to do it, I think you could. Which was a mind blower to me. And I said, well, oh. how, how do I get there from here? He said, you take my class. It's a scene study class we like you'd get at the actor's studio in New York or, or neighborhood playhouse. And when you graduate in a year and a half, you go to Yale Drama School. And I said, just like that? And he goes, yeah, just like that. Which is exactly what you ended up doing. He didn't tell me you had to audition to get into Yale. But I, a year later, I, I, he helped me put together an audition. And I got in. And now, I went. When you started getting the bug for this, who were your influences? Well, I mean, I, you know, being an actor was sort of like being a cowboy when I was a kid. Or, a, or the popsicle man, or a fireman. It was, it was pie in the sky. It was a dream. It wasn't something real. I didn't know anybody who was an actor. And in those days, because it was a long time ago, you know, we didn't have a whole celebrity culture that we have today. There used to be one page in Time magazine that had, you know, movies and another one that had people and another. Now we've got a whole magazine, a whole industry is d- devoted to that sort of thing. So I really didn't know how, the, how you, you could ever get there. Hmm. But I went to the drama school, uh, sort of with the idea, well, we'll see how this goes. 
And uh, three years later, I graduated, and two weeks later, I started working, and I've been very, very lucky to have been able to make a living being an actor for 50 years. And and a singer, I might add. Jim just handed me one of his CDs of standards and, and songs that were important in his life. I, I'm not prepared to play it on the radio today, but I think um, on our next radio program, we'll kind of revisit some of that. So let's move to the present moment, Jim, because what I really want to talk to you about is what gets you most inspired as a community activist and a philanthropist here in Connecticut? It's funny. uh a couple of years ago, you remember when kids in cages down in Texas were getting all the ink? Children were being incarcerated, basically. And uh, that day, I heard on the radio a reporter who had just come back from one of these places in Texas, and he had asked an eight-year-old boy, what's uh, the best part of your day? And the child looked at him and thought for a second and said, well, I guess the best part is when they let us stand out in the hall once a day. And I couldn't go to sleep that night. I, I just, uh, and I got up and I wrote an email to several people, guys that I knew. And I said, um, this is not, we got to do something about this. I'm losing sleep over this. One of the people that I sent my email off to was our Senator uh, Richard Blumenthal. And at 630 the next morning, he responded to me. He said, Jim, this is even worse. He said, I've been down there. It's worse than you can imagine. And I said, uh, well, my friend uh, Ken Bernard, uh, who was who is now actually running uh, for a state senator from Westport. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I had emailed him and he said, maybe we should go down on the bridge in March because, you know, the bridge down in Westport is mm-hmm. where all the political stuff happens. So I said to Ken, uh, you want to do it? And he said, yeah. I said, OK. It was Wednesday. I said, this Saturday, we're going to put together a, a march. And he said, well, it's kind of soon. I said, well, I, I got to go someplace next week. It's got to be this Saturday. Or I can't. So that Saturday morning, we were down and we had several hundred people. I emailed Senator Blumenthal. He said, what time? I said, 10 o'clock. He said, I'll be there. He showed up. Um, my son, Greg, and I uh, got a little, we borrowed a, a, a PA system from our friend Chris Coogan, the, the yeah, pianist. Sure. And we were out there in Jessup Green. We were on the bridge. Senator Blumenthal showed up at 10 o'clock and didn't leave. He was there for the whole hour. Uh, I spoke. My friend Ken Bernard spoke. Senator Blumenthal spoke. And and I said to him afterwards, I said, look at this. I'm in my 70s. All of a sudden, I've, I've become an activist. <laughs> you got the bug. You well, got, yeah. and then what happened was um, my wife, Pam, you mentioned, died of pancreatic, after fighting pancreatic cancer for four years. And uh, it got to the point where one day she said to me, Jimmy, I don't want to wake up anymore. And when she saw my reaction, she said, well, we've always known this is a fatal disease. And that night when I crawled into bed with her about 11 o'clock, she woke up and she peered at me in the darkness and she said, oh, I thought I wasn't going to have to wake up anymore. Hmm. And the feeling that I had then of not being able to help her because I was taking care of her. We were, we'd been married for 46 years, and we'd been together for 50. And I took care of her for four years. But I couldn't help her out. I couldn't give her what she wanted, what she really was begging for. So that's why this medical aid in dying issue has become something that I've been very involved with for the past four or five years. I've been up to Hartford. I've testified two or three times, three, three or four times. I'm, I'm on the radio talking about it uh, again. 
I'm meeting with uh, Connecticut state senators and representatives to try to get them to pass it. This year, we got it passed through the Public Health uh, Committee, which was a big deal. Uh, A bipartisan group, 22 to 9, voted it out. Two years ago, we we failed by one vote to get it out. We know that 75% of Connecticut residents want it. And it's, it's not for everybody, but it's for those few people who are for whom hospice and palliative care that they offer isn't enough. And I have no knock, there's no knock on hospice. They're wonderful. My, my parents both benefited from their care. But for some people, it just doesn't work. And um, it's for So the, what would medical aid in dying look like? I'm thinking of our listeners who might just say, well, what is that, what is Jim? It? What yeah. is it, Jim? Well, uh, it's, it's been legalized in 10 states and the District of Columbia so far. The first was in Oregon in 1997. So for 25 years... People in in Oregon have had the ability, if they are suffering and they can't get relief, if they are, you know, that term lingering, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, what Connecticut's bill would do is it would it would allow patients in that situation to find two doctors who determine that they have six months or less to live, and then they has a waiting period of two weeks, and they have to do it again to make sure that they're not just depressed, but that they literally really need it. Uh, And when they get to the end, uh, they can, and a friend of mine, Rene Aubergenois, a wonderful actor, Hmm. uh, he lives in California. He had stage four metastatic lung cancer. And after four years of that, he said to his wife, he said, tell tell our friends that I'm proud to say that I live in a state that uh, recognizes a person's right to die with dignity. And one Saturday morning, um, with his children and his wife by his side, they listened to their favorite music and they looked at their family photographs, and then he took the cocktail and he was able to pass uh, without so any this, more So this is a step, I'm a little, I'm naive about this. This is a step beyond hospice where the doctor, the medical community is actually helping you implement. Yes. And this is also something that's available in Europe too, isn't it? They, they, I've heard of that. Well, uh, there's, there's a book written by Amy Bloom that's getting a lot of print these days. She took her husband who was dying of uh, Alzheimer's to to Zurich because they allow that sort of thing to happen. They don't have a six-month limit on it Mm -hmm. uh, or or, a requisite. So you can go, you have to be of sound mind and body. They can't, they're not just letting people who are depressed kill themselves. Anyway, that's what we're doing. So we are... You're listening to WPKN. This is Band Central Radio. I am Rob Freed, the host, and we're talking with... uh, actor and activist Jim Naughton, and we're discussing medical aid in dying. Now, I also want to move on to another cause that's dear to your heart. But before we get there, can you just, if people want to follow up on what you're saying and learn more about this topic, can you direct us to a website or a a, a landing spot? Thank you. Yes, Rob. Thanks for asking. Um, In fact, now is the right time because this bill is pending. And the Connecticut legislature is in session March and April. It's going to happen within the next couple of weeks. So if this is something that your listeners would like to see happen, they can go to compassionandchoices.org slash Connecticut. And you can find out who your representative or your state senator is. And you can email them and you can write, you can call them. And a friend of mine who is a Connecticut state senator said if he gets four or five calls on any one subject in his office, that really rings a bell in his office. So it, it's, this is, we're, we're a democracy, right? If you're interested in this, 
Three out of four of us do want it. That's what the polls say. Let's make some noise. Make some right. noise and All make right. it now. I want to I wanna dovetail to, I know you also have taken pancreatic cancer research close to your heart. Mm-hmm. Could you talk a little bit about what's going on there? Yes. And, and also, how can listeners, you know, learn more about that and get involved in that cause? Uh, there's a doctor in Norwalk Hospital named Dr. Richard Frank. Frank, Dr. Frank. Um, he is an oncologist slash researcher scientist, and he's running. He's the he's the head of cancer research for all the different cancer researches that, that's that are going on in New Vance, which is the Norwalk Danbury connection of hospitals. And he he personally is running a uh, a new study to try to find an, an early blood marker for pancreatic cancer. As most of your listeners, as most of us probably know by now, the problem with pancreatic cancer is it doesn't present until it's already stage four. So you don't know you've got it and then there's no chance that you're gonna be able to survive it. It's gonna become the number two cancer killer after lung cancer within the next couple of years. That's what they believe. What Dr. Frank is doing is because they know that there is some correlation between people who are over 50 with new onset diabetes and pancreatic cancer. It's a very low correlation, maybe one and a half percent. But what he's doing is trying to find people who do have new onset diabetes and do an MRI screening and a blood uh, test. And over a period of years, he's building a biobank so that we can go back and look and say, ah, this this per, these people developed pancreatic cancer, and here are, are the symptoms. Here are the blood markers for them for the past several years. Here are their MRIs, because if we could find an early an early blood marker for this disease, we could pr- save an awful lot of people uh, from dying and an awful lot of their loved ones from suffering. So that's so that's really fascinating because we're going to use the blood markers from diabetes as an early warning signing for uh, a, a different disease. He's running one of the only two uh, pancreatic screening studies in the country for, for an early detection for, for new onset, for dealing with new onset diabetes. So if any of your listeners ha- have that situation, or if they have m- people in their family who have died from pancreatic cancer, call Dr. Richard Frank at Norwalk Hospital. That's so, all you have to do. So, and and is that, and Norwalk Hospital is owned by New Vance, correct? Well, it used to be the uh, Western Connecticut Health Network, and it used to be three or four hospitals. It was New Milford, Danbury, uh, Sharon, maybe, and, uh, and Norwalk. And now it's uh, merged and it's become bigger, and there are now four hospitals just over the state line in New York, up near Vassar. Vassar Hospital is one of them. So let's just repeat that one more time. For people who want to learn more about the work that's going on in pancreatic cancer research, which is happening right out of Norwalk, Connecticut, yes. right here in our our belly. That's right. Where, where would they go? Call Dr. Richard Frank, Norwalk Hospital. All right. You'll get, you'll get to him. You'll get to his assistant. You can give, give him your name and number. Say, I have new onset diabetes and I'm 54 or 55 years old. I'd like to get screened. I'd like to become a part of your study. Jim, thank you for that really fascinating and uh, an enjoyable conversation. We'll be right back with news of the benevolent.
Yes, you can change the world. That is Graham Nash right there. And um, now for a segment we call News of the Benevolent, which is an almost copyrighted feature of this program that spotlights causes and happenings in our community toward making the world a better place. This information is gathered by our friends at Fairfield County's Community Foundation, FCCF, where the Band Central Fund is located. And Steve, wake up. I just mentioned Band Central Fund, and I want you to know that Band Central will be issuing our 2022 grant to WPKN tomorrow. Well, I'm wide awake right now. Good. <laughs> I thought that would. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like that kind of news to, uh, to you know, get me going here. All right. Thank, here thank we you go. very much. We appreciate it. You're welcome. Yeah. Dateline, Fairfield, Connecticut. FCCF has curated a list of recommended nonprofits involved in the relief efforts to help Ukrainian refugees in Europe. Chief among them is Save the Children right here in Fairfield County. They have stood up their Ukrainian Crisis Relief Fund and are accepting donations now. You can join senior members of Save the Children and other local leaders at the Pequot Library in Southport from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. tomorrow, March 29th, for a free event to learn more about the conditions and needs and what we can do to help the youngest victims of this war. Go to SaveTheChildren.org. Dateline, Norwalk, Connecticut. FCCF recently collaborated with the Family Foundation to award $5,000 to help new Afghan refugees now living in Fairfield County with rental housing and other resettlement expenses. FCCF's partner is the Interfaith Refugee Resettlement Community, IRRC, hmm. housed at the first, first Congregational Church in Fairfield. Dateline, Norwalk, Connecticut, FCCF continues to advise local philanthropists with donor-advised funds at FCCF on a wonderful hyper-local giving opportunities. Mm, that's a mouthful. Mm -hmm. One Bridgeport nonprofit which recently benefited from funding from an FCCF donor-advised fund is Newfield Youth Baseball. This grassroots Nonprofit now has more funding as we enter the exciting spring baseball season, thanks to FCCF. Joining us now is a special guest, Mark Argosh. Um, before I intro Mark, I want to say a few words about Social Venture Partners, SVP, of which I am a member. SVP is a group of people right here in Connecticut, for whom improving our community is part of our life's journey, whether we work in a nonprofit, the corporate world, or the arts world. We're volunteers, parents, community leaders, philanthropists, and entrepreneurs, a network of local partners connecting passion and purpose. If this sounds like something that could be you, please listen up. Together, we have built a powerful network here in Connecticut of almost 260 partners, nonprofits, and community partners who are working to support our communities and our most vulnerable residents through both grants, money, and consulting advice. In 2021, 
RSVP partners contributed an estimated 25,000 hours of volunteer hours to make changes in education, early childhood, workforce development, economic security, and race equity. Mark is the executive director of SVP, and under his guidance, SVP has tripled in size, as I mentioned, to almost 260 members, while its nonprofit and consulting portfolio has grown from two to 18 organizations. Mark oversees the daily management of SVP to engage partners, recruit new partners, and maximize the impact of SVP's work to close the opportunity gap. Again, the opportunity gap is this effort to make equal opportunity for all of us here in Connecticut. In addition, he serves as the chair of the Governor's Workforce Council and an advisor to many of SVP's projects with nonprofit organizations. Prior to his role with SVP, Mark worked for over 30 years as a consultant and executive in the financial sector, he did his undergrad work at Brown, and he received his MBA from Stanford University Graduate School of Business. Okay, Mark, welcome. Thanks, Rob. Great to be here today. And, you know, look, tell us a little bit more about yourself in terms of how did you evolve to leading SVP, the, to, to being on the Governor's Workforce Council, I grew up in Chicago in a middle-class family. Uh, Part of the faith tradition that I grew up in was tikkun olam, which states that we're born in the world, born in a broken world, and that it's our responsibility to do our part to help repair or improve the world. Uh, I also grew up in the 1960s, where my heroes were Bobby Kennedy, Martin Luther King, and I had the chance early on in college and then in some communities to lead some social change efforts uh, as a community organizer. And I learned in this work and in my business career that it's possible to make big changes happen if you really bring people together around a shared vision. So over the past five years, working uh, with SVP, we've created a platform, as you said, Rob, to bring people together from all backgrounds to build a more thriving Connecticut, you know, one that really provides racial equity and economic security for all people. Oh, that's that's great. And we're listening to Mark Argosh. He is the executive director of Social Venture Partners. And the reason that this is so important as you know, anyone can be a part, come a partner potentially of Social Venture Partners. If you have a love for philanthropy, if you have passion to help other people, please listen because, um, you know, Mark will want to, Mark and his team will want to hear from you and explore the possibility of you, you know, becoming part of this movement to, to, uh, you know, to provide advice and money to, to causes and nonprofits in need. Um, Mark, wasn't there another community organizer from Chicago who actually uh, did pretty well for himself? Uh, there was, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> Chicago has, by the way, a very rich tradition of community organizing. And, uh, you know, I'm, hap- I'm very proud of the fact that SVP works very closely with a number of uh, local community-based organizations here um, that are really doing a great job of bringing together people in some of our urban areas. 
And I was, of course, talking about President Barack Obama, exactly. who um, just a couple years younger than Mark, but they were they were probably uh, on the streets doing community organizing at around the same time. Um, so, Mark, one of the questions I have for you before we get on to talking about social venture partners is because of your work, I'm very interested in hearing your perspective on what is the state of the well-being of Connecticut? Meaning, you know, on the one hand, you hear people have been leaving Connecticut, going to Florida, and um, we've got, we mortgaged our future with all, with the past promises we made to pensioners, and we've got a lot of debt, and, and, you know, and certain things in Connecticut are just broken. And on the other hand, there's a lot of encouraging signs. Um, you know, the water in the Long Island Sound is getting better. We're, we, we have a lot of treasures here in Connecticut that just make this such a unique and special place. What, what would your state of the state of Connecticut be? Now, Rob, I'm all, all, my friends know me as somebody who is a glass half full person. So I'll kind of preface that, but I would say that uh, I think our state is making progress in a number of areas. First of all, I think in uh, with the governor's leadership, the state really excelled uh, versus the rest of the country in COVID relief and recovery, uh, which I th- which is was really important for us. Um, I think in workforce development and economic development, Connecticut is making major progress. You know, we're seeing over 25 new companies kind of enter the state, uh, new jobs available. Uh, For the first time in a long time, the private and public sectors are working together, which will help the state attract more high quality jobs to Connecticut. And then on your point about kind of the budget and fiscal stability, uh, for the first time, we've actually been paying down debt and had our bond ratings increase. So the governor uh, and his team deserve a lot of credit for bringing a lot more fiscal stability to the point that it's influencing the choices of residents and uh, of companies about Connecticut. Connecticut, in the most recent CNBC ratings, uh, moved up more places. This is the rankings about what's the best states for to do business in. Connecticut increased more than any other state in terms of the ratings, you know, over the past year. So I think there's been a lot of, you know, progress. That is that is really fantastic news. And <clears throat> why don't why don't we dovetail a little bit to talking more about social venture partners? What what social venture partners literally does, how that connects to the well-being of Connecticut. And and then I'm going to ask you, how can people, ordinary people get involved who say that sounds interesting? I might like to learn about that. And what can they do? And what are you looking for? Absolutely. So SVP is an organization of change makers, I would say. You know, people join who are interested in helping to close the opportunity gap in Connecticut. And I know that's a fairly broad uh, statement. Uh, So there's a lot of opportunities for people to get involved uh, in areas that they are kind of, you know, most interested in. What people do is they bring, they contribute their time and their professional skills, uh, as well as their money to help nonprofits in our state kind of, you know, build capacity to be able to do more and to be able to kind of really help people 
Um, our nonprofits are really doing awesome work on behalf of a number of marginalized populations, including uh, the BIPOC population, uh, reentry folks coming out of the criminal justice system, uh, youth, people with disabilities, the homeless, immigrants and refugees. Um, and what happens is our volunteers work with these groups on specific projects uh, that may involve um, helping with marketing, helping with fundraising, helping with organizational development uh, or recruiting for these organizations, helping them develop their programs. Uh, so there are a lot of different uh, opportunities to support this, these nonprofits. All of this work is pro bono. It's contributed uh, for free to these organizations, and we build relationships. So we really get to know these organizations really well. Um, we've looked at kind of what's happened with the nonprofits that we support, and they've had very significant growth in terms of the number of people that they serve and their effectiveness. The other area to get involved in is we also support uh, policy changes uh, and program changes at a state level. So we, uh, you mentioned that I chair the Governor's Workforce Council. Uh, there are many SVP partners who've been involved in supporting the workforce development efforts in the state and also in supporting early childhood education, which is really important uh, to families throughout the state. So there's a lot of work to be done, but with our 260 partners, and then we also collaborate with many other organizations, um, I think we're making major progress uh, on these issues. We started our show talking about involvement and how we all evolve, personal involvement. And Mark, you have just shared a lot of opportunities that people can can take up and and uh, and embark on their own personal involvement. Yeah, I think that's a really important point, which is. Uh, SVP, you know, has impacted multiple levels. We oftentimes refer to the social impact that we're having um, through working with organizations. But I hear all the time from our partners about their own personal journeys mm -hmm. and the fact that uh, getting involved um, in issues that they're really passionate about in their communities is become kind of a real life changer for them and really they feel a sense of hope and renewal from the work that they're doing. Uh, so it's, it's really, it, SVP kind of functions at multiple levels for people. Yeah. And SVPs out of Westport, uh, Mark has a wonderful team of Camille, Marjorie, Skye, some other folks. And, you know, it might sound a little off-putting like social venture partners, but the reality is going with, with Paula just said, if you have a passion say it's the prison system and, and people having a second chance, or say you really care about early childhood education, which is an important topic. You know, I would encourage you, Band Central Radio listener, to, you know, reach out to Mark and his team and explore. Is, is there a way that you could potentially be on a team? And this could be a way for you to channel your passion with with uh, an important purpose and and be part of this this great organization. And Mark, what I'm hearing is that you don't have to have a particularly developed skill. There are plenty of ways that you can help. So listeners, if you want to get involved, now is a great time. That's absolutely right. And we try to make it easy for people to get involved. Uh, so we, you know, as you said, there's many different ways for you to be involved. You can select 
the organizations that you're most interested in. Uh, and we have opportunities for people at all different uh, amounts of time that they might have available. So, so Mark, uh, if you would repeat again, how do people contact you or the organization to get involved? Thank you. It's, re- it's very easy. You can go to our website, which is svp-ct.org. Um, you can find us on Facebook at Social Venture Partners Connecticut, um, or you can call us. Um, I'll just share my number, 203-644-3085. Um, and uh, we are happy to uh, get you involved and kind of we'll start by kind of listening to kind of, you know, what your areas of interest are and, and then, you know, be happy to engage you. And I will tell you, folks, that when Mark gives out his phone number and he expresses this, this is one authentic human being. He is the real deal, and he means what he says. Uh, Mark, uh, any final thoughts on how Band Central could potentially support SVP? Yeah, I love uh, the work, Rob, that you and your group is doing with Band Central. I mean, I think you're making uh, a big difference for the nonprofits you support and also making philanthropy much more fun and approachable. So I look forward to kind of doing some work together um, to do some joint events, you know, featuring the great music that uh, Band Central provides, uh, as well as kind of adding some of content around the work that uh, SVP and our nonprofits are doing. So uh, let's get some events on the calendar together. That sounds absolutely wonderful. We will be uh, right back. Well, here we are. We're close to the top of the hour. We hope you'll stay with us as uh, Rick Patron will be playing some great jazz at the top of the hour. Um, hey, if you want to email me, you can do that at refried at optonline.net. Um, if you want to sign up for our newsletter, get a playlist from the show, you can visit experiencebandcentral.com. And... Uh, Boy, I really want to say thank you to uh, to our guests, Mark Argosh and and Jim Naughton. Uh, Jim, any uh, any thoughts you want to share? Well, I uh, there is one thing I, I'd like to mention. You know, there are two groups that have been very d- difficult to convince on the subject of medical aid and dying. One is the Catholic Church, and the other are is the people with disabilities. 
And uh, a, a very thoughtful Catholic governor had something to say about this. Uh, and it was Mario Cuomo back in 1984 addressing uh, the University of Notre Dame. He said, the arguments start when re religious values are used to support positions which would impose on other people restrictions that they find unacceptable. When should I make argue to make my religious value your morality? And Governor Jerry Brown, who was also a Catholic, uh, governor of California, he said, I'm certain, he said, I, I don't know that how, uh, what I would do if, I, if this happened to me, if I were suffering, but I'm certain that it would be a comfort to be able to consider the options afforded by this bill, and I wouldn't deny that right to others. So I think this is a, we're talking about self-determination. And again, if you want to learn about uh, this cause, go to CompassionAndChoices.org. Mark, love to hear from you. Any final thoughts or uh, highlights of the show for you? Well, I just want to thank uh, the WPKN. I want to thank um, Rob. Um, and uh, great to hear, Jim, about your personal journey and, you know, really commitment to being an activist um, and also a fellow uh, Brown alum. <laughs> thank so, you. Uh, you know, uh, love the work Band Central is doing. And, uh, you know, I think kind of this show kind of illustrates how the community is really coming together to do great things. Oh, thank you so much. It really is an honor to have both of you guys. I consider it a privilege uh, for you guys to come down and see the beautiful station here at the, the greatest radio station in the world. Paolo, what was your highlight today? Well, I'll just say this life is a gift onward with gratitude and a positive attitude. Do some good, get involved and um, make a difference. And uh, Steve, any, uh, anything you want to share? No, no, Steve is just smiling because he heard that uh, his grant from Band Central is coming in uh, tomorrow. Um, look, and I also want to thank Audrey Neforis, again, Paula Murphy, Andy Cadison. Um, and we will be back uh, a month from now on Monday, April 25th, with special guests Karen Brown from Fairfield County's Community Foundation, Carla Miklos from Operation Hope and the drummer extraordinaire, Eric Kalb. I wish everybody peace and goodness. Support for WPKN comes from Fairfield University's Quick Center for the Arts, presenting Montreal-based Frederick Gravel on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, April 7th through 9th at 7 p.m. In this intimate duet, two dancers navigate a relationship with Gravel's keen eye for challenging the norms. Details and ticket info at fairfield.edu slash tickets or through the box office at 203-254-4010. Poets and fiction writers discuss writing as a spiritual practice this Wednesday on East End Inc. Tune in at 8 p.m. on WPKN 89.5 FM or on WPKN.org.
This is Caroline Doctorow, and I hope that you'll join me this Saturday night at 7 p.m. for Song Trails, a celebration of folk and roots music with well-known artists and others that are a bit below the radar. So that's Song Trails with me, your host, Caroline Doctorow, here on WPKN 89.5 on your FM dial and streaming live at WPKN.org. Hi, this is Casey Ryan. I've been a WPKN listener, volunteer, and sometimes even a programmer for almost 30 years. Yeah, I really do love this quirky little radio station, which is why for several years now, I've also been a sustaining supporter. Each month, I automatically contribute an amount I chose, an amount I hardly miss, but that really helps when it comes to paying WPKN's bills. Every time I listen to WPKN and I hear that reminder about it being listener-supported, I think, hey, I'm one of those listeners who are supporting it. Yay me. Now I'm asking you to consider joining me. Just go to our website, WPKN.org, and tap the Donate button. It's a simple process to become a monthly sustaining WPKN supporter. And trust me, it feels so good to be one. Every 65 seconds, someone in this country develops Alzheimer's disease. This disease affects the entire family, but you don't have to go through it alone. The Connecticut chapter of the Alzheimer's Association is here for you with education classes, support groups, advocacy, and research to find a cure. Call our 24-hour helpline at 1-800-272-3900 or go to alz.org to find out more. Together we can end Alzheimer's. Hi, I'm Beth Bradley, a volunteer for the Connecticut Radio Information System. Chris Radio, as we're commonly known, is a radio reading service for the blind and print handicapped. We may not be a service you're familiar with, but thousands of state residents turn to Chris to hear newspaper and magazine articles that they are unable to read. In this area, WPKN's partnership makes that possible. Since 1983, WPKN has generously provided part of their broadcast system to Chris, so our programs can be heard in this part of the state on specially tuned radios. WPKN's continuing support helps Chris make a significant difference in the lives of people who are unable to read print material due to low vision, blindness, or other physical disability. More information on Chris, Connecticut's talking newsstand, can be found at our website, crisradio.org. All of us involved with producing the programs heard on Chris thank WPKN for its vital support. As we face a world in crisis, WPKN is changing its schedule to bring you more thorough and timely news and public affairs programming. Beginning on Monday, March 28th, Democracy Now! will air from 7 to 8 p.m. Monday through Friday. On Tuesdays through Fridays, our regularly scheduled public affairs programming will follow at 8 p.m. At 6 a.m., Tuesdays through Fridays, you can hear The Briefing from the UK's Monocle News Service. And at 6 a.m. on Monday, you can still hear Alternative Radio. In the evening, Counterpoint will begin at 8 p.m., followed by Counterspin at 9.30 p.m. WPKN Bridgeport, 89.5 FM and WPKN.org. 